Welcome into the Fight HQ podcast for UFC 293. Of course, I am Jason Floyd, and back joining me here on the podcast after uh, feeling a little ill last week. He's back at it, Pete the Heat. Pete, uh, as always, man, great to be talking to you. How you feeling, bro? Feeling much better. Thank you so much for doing the show without me last week, and uh, appreciate everybody sending their well wishes. Uh, yeah, I was really sick and uh, um, definitely couldn't have done a show. Uh, happy to be, uh, you know, on the better end of it now, and... Uh, getting back into training, getting back into everything, and, uh, you know, just trying to stay as safe as possible for my little one, too. That was the hardest part. So, uh, you know, now I can see her and all that stuff. So, thankfully, I'm doing okay. But we got a nice pay-per-view. Last week's card was crazy. It was absolutely nuts. Uh, from a, a an audience standpoint, I thought the crowd was fantastic. And then this week, we have an excellent pay-per-view. Uh, some interesting matchups. A uh, couple underdogs that I like. I want to bounce ideas off your head and see where you're at. But, uh, yeah, happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. And as you can see, rocking the Fight HQ merch that it, if you ordered it, it's on its way. So thank you so much for the support. Of course, uh, we got that link below uh, in the show notes if you want to get the merch. Also, we'll have a DraftKings contest. I'll get that contest up here later on today. And, of course, uh, last week, if you did not have uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, you couldn't take down any tournaments. As, uh, going out there and getting 149 points through a gone. In two rounds, getting 114 points with 110 uh, significant strikes that he landed in there. So hopefully everyone was able to cash last week. And, of course, we're here to help you uh, guide you through how to how to cash for UFC 293. And, Pete, as we get in the game theory, I mean, I, I've got my spreadsheet up here, and I'm going crazy with the color coding last night. I'm getting, the, I mean, I'm in front of Excel, and I'm, you know, I've got different things that I've kind of highlight here. And you know, I, I think the thing that really stuck out to me is, you know, you've got some fights that I, I feel like there are there's multiple fights this week that are boom bust fights, co-main event. A boom bust fight. I understand why people are going to want to get to Tuivasa and, and looking at projected ownership right now in him. That it's an intriguing number because if Tuivasa goes out there and gets the win, look, he he's going to knock out Alexander Volkov. Uh, Tafa Lane, uh, it's not getting a lot of ownership, but you're not going to feel good going to either side. That's a boom bust fight. We we saw, of course, that fight was, was going to happen a couple of months ago. And then I, I, there's some other fights that I look at that I say, man, I, I like the takedown upside. Someone like a Jamie Malarkey, maybe, maybe a, a Nasrat Haparas, uh, a Charlie Radke are, are some of the fighters that stick out to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that we have some interesting matchups. And, uh, you know, I, I am taking the, the home crowd into consideration for a lot of my breakdowns just slightly. It's kind of like an X factor. Um, and I do think that certain fighters will thrive in, in environments like that. It doesn't necessarily make me like the, uh, the fighters from the area more, but it's something where if I'm already siding with them and then I start to like, for instance, Tai Tuivasa, I think will thrive in his own environment like that. Like that's, he's a guy that will benefit from having the crowd. Whereas sometimes the crowd can be used against you. Like, you know, Derek Lewis for whatever reason is not a great hometown fighter. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited. And then I think from a construction standpoint, the argument is, do you want to get to the main event? Massive price tag associated with Israel Adesanya could be tons of volume could be, you know, just a kickboxing contest for 25 minutes. Does he pay off the price tag? Um, I, I do think that from a GPP perspective, I like the co-main event much better, uh, both sides of it. I can make an argument for both fighters. The top of lane fights a fight that I probably like more than the public, um, just based on the heavyweight division and uh you know maybe Toppa wants to get one back for that nasty nasty eye poke especially in his home hometown so you know another fight that i, I would put in that boom bust category is the, the fight that's going to kick off the pay-per-view with tyson and anton i mean it, that's a it's a betting line if people have been watching that betting line it's kind of flip-flopped on both sides throughout the week um that to me is i mean like Tyson Pedro is one of these guys that I don't know if you have the same feeling that I do. He, he's like, he's kind of in that I don't trust list. I mean, he may go out there and get 120 points or he may get five. Yeah, I, I think like Tyson Pedro's previous performance against Modestus Bukowskis, you know, left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And we're kind of just like, ugh, can't trust this guy because uh, he's low volume for the most part. Um, if he's unable to be the dominant force in the grappling exchanges, I do think that he is. Uh, you know, he's live to lose and be a step behind. And the guy in Anton Takali will will test that takedown defense, will push a high pace. 
does make a lot of mistakes and anybody who makes tremendous amount of mistakes it, it, it helps Pedro right like he's a an opportunistic submission guy opportunistic opportunistic striker um, but yeah I'm with you I, I think that fight's going to be you know pivotal for for the slate given the price tag given you know the small body of work that we have for Anton Tukali and you know the inconsistencies of Tyson Pedro I also like the takedown upside for Anton there. And, and I will tell you, I'll, uh, I'll throw out some prize picks plays as we go through this car. There actually are a decent amount of prize picks plays that I do like if you want to play over there at prize picks or if you're in a state where you can play prize picks. Of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for the Fight HQ podcast. Of course, we're here Thursdays, 1 o'clock Eastern time for the most part. Sometimes maybe a Friday show based on our schedule. If Pete's got uh, training sessions going on or I may be, uh, you know, f- traveling somewhere or whatnot. But we, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. We really do appreciate that. But let's get right into the fights. Main event event Izzy taking on Strickland defending the middleweight title Izzy is a minus 650 betting favorite plus 460 for Sean Strickland of course as we do this show FanDuel prices are not out uh so on DraftKings we got a $9,700 price tag on Izzy $6,500 on Sean Strickland Pete what's your thoughts I mean I like the fight for Israel Adesanya I really do um I I think that for Israel Adesanya you know he's a tremendous kickboxer. I think the range is going to be something that Sean Strickland is going to have to uh, overcome and deal with, and I think he's going to struggle in doing so. And also the fact of how Izzy will switch stances so often, giving his opponents different looks. Um, you know, I, I do favor Ezra Adesanya. I hate the number associated with him. Um, you know, because I, I do think that Sean Strickland has more than a twenty percent chance of winning this fight. And he's about an 18% chance of winning this fight based on the probability. I I think that, you know, on any given night, he's an excellent fighter. And if he goes out there and he fights a uh, an MMA contest, he can win. If he just goes out there and does, has a kickboxing matchup, of course, it's going to favor Israel Adesanya, who throws more than just punches, whereas Sean Strickland's primarily a boxer. Um, I see Sean, Sean Strickland incorporating takedowns into his game. That's nothing new. We've always seen that in in his training, but inside the cage, I think he struggles to be, you know, to have that highest fight IQ. Uh, he's a very smart guy, and he plays the dumb card really well. Um, but like, as far as fight IQ, he's smart. And if you take takedowns out of it, he he knows what he's doing. Um, he just enjoys trading on the feet, and I do think a guy in Israel Adesanya will get the better of him. I think he's going to, you know, pick up a late TKO or a decision. Um, but as far as price tag, like if this touches the later rounds, sixty five hundred Sean Strickland's a, a broken price tag given, you know, how talented he is. And I you know, I do think that he has more of a, you know, twenty percent chance of winning this fight. And I definitely favor Israel Adesanya, but uh you know, I'll get to some shares of Adesanya, um, in, in case it's like a two to three hundred significant strikes plus a late stoppage, which is something that I am somewhat forecasting. Uh but but the 6,500 punt for Sean Strickland is going to be one of the most popular plays on the slate. And obviously that is why ownership is so high right now on Sean Strickland. I mean, look, if, if this thing goes 25 minutes, you, at bare minimum, you want to in your cash games if you're playing cash. Or, I mean, at 6,500, it will essentially allow you to get to whatever else you want. You know, in a comment coming in from Ben, he says at 9,700, Izzy needs a first-round finish. I mean, look, I mean, this is the one thing I did like what, what Sean Strickland has said this week. He said, he goes, look, I can't stand at range and expect I'm going to beat Izzy in a range fight. You know, he talked about, he said, it goes, I need to bring the fight to him. I need to be in his face. And to me, the one guy that really had done a good job with that, he didn't get the victory in the fight. You got to go back to UFC 236 and Kevin Gaslam. Gaslam brought the fight to Izzy. Obviously, Izzy's a different fighter, you know, now than he was there at, at UFC 236. But that, to me, is something that I look at in terms of this matchup is, can he make this, you know, a dirty type fight, you know, get in, into a phone booth fight with Izzy. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little opposite on you on this one, Pete. You know, I'm I think Izzy's gonna get a stoppage within the first three rounds. That's why over at prize picks, I like the less than 110 and a half significant strikes on Izzy. I like the under 21 and a half fight time minutes. That that's me if I'm attacking this fight from a fr- uh, prize picks, I'm more leaning at the less than than the more than of what Izzy's numbers are at currently. Okay. Yeah, I mean you know, I, I don't see a first-round finish coming. Uh, it could happen, but he's typically a patient fighter. Uh, if Sean Strickland makes tons of mistakes, Izzy will capitalize on it and with a counter shot, absolutely. Um, 
let's say it does touch the later rounds. We have seen Izzy uh, land 237 significant strikes against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, actually, he threw 237. My, my fault. He only landed 109. So, like, we really haven't seen him land 200-plus significant strikes. This could be the fight where I do think Sean Strickland's really good. I think kicks are going to be um, very important in this matchup for Israel Adesanya to give different looks to uh, to Sean Strickland. But I, I don't like the price tag. I, I think there's plenty of other 9,000 options, you know, some short-notice opportunities that we'll get to that I just think have higher, um, how should I say? I think they have higher ceilings. I really do. Uh, I, I think at 9,700, Israel Adesanya is somewhat capped as to what he can do based on his style. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at this, Pete, and, and you bring up a great point, looking at some of those other 9,000 options here, you know, look, I could save $700 and get to Justin Toffa. Obviously, high volatility, it's a boom-bust fight. I can get to Carlos Olberg, who I think is another great candidate to go out there and score 100-plus points. You know, and then I look at, at Charlie Radke, who's making his UFC debut, and Charlie is kind of a, a rarity in, in this in the U, in the way the UFC constructs fights this time. He's been signed by the UFC since April. We, we typically don't necessarily see a guy outside of the contender series, the alternate fighter, get signed and truly have like a four month training camp. Usually, most of the times, it's you know, hey, you're stepping up on on two weeks' notice, three weeks' notice. So that's kind of interesting. So that to me is I, I you know, and I was driving to to the studio this morning, Pete, and I was having this thought. I was like, okay. There's, there's a reason Izzy is a big fairy as he is, and he should be. But I'm like, how does Sean Strickland get it done? And that, that to me, is the question from a fight aspect. I keep going, how does he beat Izzy? I I think he has to clearly just mix in takedowns to win close rounds. Um, I just don't – I think that his ego is going to get him hurt in this contest. Um, but I, like I said, I hate the odds because I really feel like – Izzy shouldn't be that crazy. Like, that's crazy. He, he is one of the most special middleweights we've ever seen, if not the best. I, I'm, I still have Anderson Silva as that guy. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think he's going to style on Sean Strickland for for majority of the fight until he possibly hurts him enough and gets him out of there. So, I get it. But it's just if, if you told me Sean Strickland's shooting five-plus takedowns, ten-plus takedowns, I think he wins the fight. I really do. We saw what Jan Blachowicz was able to do to Israel Adesanya. Granted, massive, massive size difference in that. But I, I, I do think that Sean Strickland possesses well-rounded skills to go there and test the ground game of Israel Adesanya. I will tell you, looking at the props on this fight, Pete, crazy prop. Not saying he's going to win this way. Izzy wins via submission 16-1. to 1. Yeah. I mean, I'm not on that. I, I, I just don't. I think Sean Strickland's got too good of a, a ground game to do that. I'm more of a wrestler than a jujitsu guy, but I still, I, I, I'm. It's crazy. I, I've dabbled on. Is he picking up his first submission, and it just hasn't worked out. So I don't think it's going to be the matchup to do it. I, you know, and that to me is is obviously if you're Eric Nixick, part of this game plan has has had to be about utilizing the grappling. And, and as he said earlier this week, that that's something that he fully expects. He fully expects that uh, there is going to be, you know, the wrestling is going to come. So we'll see what happens there. Now let's move over to the co-main event. Heavyweight matchup, Alexander Volkov taking on Todd Tuovasa. Volkov is a minus 250 betting favorite, plus 205 for Tuovasa. Tuovasa is 7,400 on DK, and Volkov is 88. And, uh, you know, the thing that stuck out to me, and this is one of the fights that I color-coded. I color-coded for two different reasons. One reason being is, I think from a GPP aspect, this is a fight that you have to prioritize on both sides. Now, I expect Volkov to get the victory here, and I think his front kicks are actually going to be a big key attacking the body of Tatu Avasa. But to me, it's also... I like the leverage here in Todd Tuivasa because, Pete, we both know if he goes out there and gets the victory, he's going to knock out Alexander Volkov. Yeah, I, I really like this matchup, and uh, I do think that the matchup is great for DFS. Um, you have Volkov with some of the best KO, uh, KO lines on the entire slate, um, and priced at only 8800 gives you a guy with tremendous finish pot- uh, potential. Um, in a style, similar stylistic matchup to uh, Cyril Gaon when he fought Tai Tuivasa. 
where Cyril Gaon really utilized a lot of front kicks to the body or liver kicks. And with that stabbing to the body started to really hurt Tai Tuivasa. And um, there was, it was a culmination of multiple kicks to the body, which I thought an eventual head kick was coming, but it didn't. Alexander Volkov has excellent karate, and Volkov can clearly kickbox with the best. I will tell you, though, that I actually am being a little contrarian with this. I love the fight, so that means I'll get to Volkov a lot. But I am getting aggressive with Tai Tuivasa. I actually think that he knocks out Alexander Volkov. And hear me out. Reason being is there were moments leading up into that that uh, KO loss to Sorogan when he was able to close the gap. He's parrying front kicks and, and blocking and checking round kicks. His range is better than a lot of what a lot of people are giving him credit for. Um, and then when he's closing the gap, he's putting together excellent hand combinations. And, uh, you know, and then he ended up dropping Sorogon. And it's not like, oh, he dropped Sorogon, I'm picking him against Volkov. I do think that Volkov is susceptible to getting knocked out by hooks. Um, hooks and uppercuts is a, a tall guy's nightmare, um, especially when you're in close. And, you know, we, we've seen Volkov get dropped numerous times. Obviously, you can think of the Derek Lewis fight when he was completely butchering Lewis from the outside. And then Lewis just kind of pulled that Hail Mary out. That is Derek Lewis, but I do think that Tai Tuivasa um, closing the gap, he can kick pretty well too. He's got heavy, heavy low kicks. I actually am picking Tai Tuivasa to upset Alexander Volkov and win via KO. I totally get it either way. I think the best way to bet this is fight ends via KO. I don't think it goes 15 minutes. I don't think that there's any submission attempts. I don't think there's any takedowns. Both are going to be willing to engage on the feet. And uh, the home environment... I know Tai Tuivasa just got knocked out against Sergei Pavlovich, big, big power guy who has better hands than him. Cyril Gaon had his moments, was landing decently well, was doing well for himself until the third round. Um, yeah, I'm picking Tai Tuivasa to knock out Alexander Volkov and, uh, and do a shoey. Yeah, you know, I was just looking over at the prop bets on this one. Kind of interesting. Tuivasa wins by TKO KO plus 300, but you take Tuivasa inside the distance plus 275, or, you know, maybe if you wanted to take that Volkov uh, via decision plus 330, Tuivasa via decision is plus 1,000. I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, Tuivasa is going to have to overcome the reach disadvantage that he has in this matchup at six inches. Um, I, I just, my concern is that Alexander Volkov really attacks the body of Todd Tuivasa. Wears him down, ultimately gets a TKO finish. But like this is a fight where I, I think you have to prioritize. No, no matter whether you're playing one lineup, five lineups, 10, 20, 50, 150 lineups. The, to me, this is a fight that you have to prioritize just because I think the potential of a high finish rate. And I, I was just looking up here, like, let's just say you want to, let's, you know, say you want to do a building blocks of Sean Strickland and Tatu of Asa to start your lineup, whether we're talking GPP or cash, your average remaining per player. $9,025. So at that point, you can essentially get whoever you want, Pete. Yeah, you can. Um, you know, and, and that's why I always say prioritize main event and co-main event underdogs. It, it allows you to to create a unique build, but also just have a ton of salary to, to get to some of these high favorites because people are favorites for a reason. Um, you know, do, do I think that in most circumstances, Volkov outclasses Tai Tuivasa? Yes, but I do think that timing is everything. And uh, Taito Ibasa has made some changes in his training as well. Um, I think that he's going to be a little more – I don't know. He's always powerful. But I, I just think that he's going to be able to, to close the gap better than what most people are thinking. And uh, if there's any lazy kicks, Taito Ibasa is going to throw something big down the middle. So um, fight to end via KLTKL makes a, a ton of sense. One of my favorite fights on the slate, if not the favorite. Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. And Volkov's last three fights have all ended in the first round. Win against Romanov, win against uh, Rosenstruck, loss against Aspinall, and getting 95 points against Rosenstruck, 99 points against Alexander Romanov. Over on Prize Picks, there's not. I don't really love this fight on Prize Picks just because I could really see it going either way. Uh, significant strikes for Volkov, 31 and a half. At one point, it was 27 and a half. So people really hit hit up that number. Uh, fight time is six and a half, and then the fantasy score for Volkov is 105. 
five and a half. It's just I think there's better options over on Prize Picks this week, so it's not really a fight that I'm going to prioritize over on Prize Pick. Next up, we got a matchup between Manel Cop and Felipe Dos Santos. Manel Cop is a minus four hundred betting favorite, plus three ten for Felipe Dos Santos. Of course, making his UFC debut is supposed to be on the Contender Series. Had two different opponents. The first opponent ended up getting signed to the UFC. Second opponent doesn't make weight. The fight gets scratched, so the UFC puts him in here when Manel Cop was supposed to take on Kai Car France. If you've not seen today's pre-fight press conference, Manel Cop and Kai Car France got into it. Izzy coming to the defense of his teammate, and then who would have thought Sean Strickland is the voice of reason? I don't think you'd ever think those words come out of my mouth as Sean Strickland would be the voice of reason, but he was the voice of reason uh, in this one here. Um, Nell Cop is 9,300 on DK, 6,900 for Felipe Dos Santos, Pete. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on this fight. I don't think we need to. I think that Manel Cop is clearly in a favorable matchup. Um, Felipe Dos Santos stepped up on short notice to fill in for Kai Kara France, who suffered a concussion, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I, I think that the the matchup between Kai Kara France and Manel Cop would have been a banger, and it would have been one where you can make an argument for both guys. Um, but clearly in this situation, I think that a guy in Dos Santos gets hit way too much for my liking. Um, is aggressive and his aggression will be, uh, you know, the reason for his downfall in this matchup because Manel Cop can outstrike, he can he can counter you, he can, you know, be offensive and aggressive. Aggressive. I think he's going to look out, look to go out there and make a statement on, you know, against poor Dos Santos. Uh, you know, Dos Santos is, is talented, very talented, but he's young, and I I do think that his inexperience is going to get the best of him here against Manel Cop. There's no reason why I'm going to get away from Manel Cop this weekend. Um, other than his patience, right? His patience sometimes doesn't lead to the best DFS score. Um, but when he does smell blood in the water, he has a great killer's instinct. Okay. He's really got, he's just, he's very good at finding finishes for a lighter weight class fighter. Um, it's just up until that point, he's taking his time. He's feeling them out. He's getting a read, getting a read on their timing. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Manel cop here. And I think that he's one of the best spend up plays. You're getting a, um, a 9,000 fighter with massive, massive finish potential. Um, and then you boost the pace of the fight given the weight class. It just seems like a no-brainer. I like Manel Kopp. He might be my, my favorite 9,000 option out there. Yeah, and looking over prize picks, uh, there is one prop on prize picks that I do like. I do like the less than 10 uh, fight time minutes here from Manel Kopp. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if he is this done in five. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, in, in – Two, two of his three recent victories have come in the first round, so that's where something I do like there. So I would go less than 10-minute fight time on Manel Cop. Next up, we got a heavyweight matchup, and uh, this is this is low-level UFC heavyweight, folks. Justin Taffa and Austin Lane, of course, they fought there at the uh, ABC card in Jacksonville. Ends due to an eye poke there, just 29 seconds into the opening round. And Justin Taffa is a minus 220 betting favorite, plus 180 for Lane. Taffa is 9,000 on DK. Lane is 70 200 and you know Pete you're, you're not going to feel good on either side of this equation I mean I, I feel like someone's going to get knocked out someone's probably getting knocked out inside the first round the winner of this matchup likely is going to have 100 points but this has got boom bust written all over it yeah it does and um, I, I really like Toffa here I think that Toffa's in a great spot um, to pick up a knockout in front of the hometown crowd uh, I think that you know, he's very, very powerful. And early on in their previous encounter, you saw that Lane was pushing the pace. He threw two really, really heavy body kicks. And those heavy body kicks uh, got the attention of Tafa. Tafa was kind of dipping his head and throwing counter shots over the top. I think that he has to be careful about getting hit with a head kick, of course, uh, or a knee up the middle. Um, you know, Lane's very talented and is going to be one of my most heavily exposed underdogs because of the volatility within the division because of the volatility of the matchup as well. Because Toph is a guy that I think will get exposed one way or another. Um, you, you don't lose to Jared Vandera. And then, you know, like, it, it's going to happen again. It's going to rear its ugly head. And I do think that this is a matchup where Lane's chin's going to get tested. And it, has, it hasn't checked out in the past. He's been knocked out three times. And I do think a guy who's so, so talented at finding the chin in Taffa is going to do so. So at 9,000, I'm picking Justin Taffa. In the previous encounter, I was hoping Lane was going to go to the takedown well. And that's something I think that he could look to do. Um, but 
given we're in Australia, I am not going to be backing Lane here. I'm going to be backing Justin Taffa to get a knockout. And at 9,000, he's he might be second on my list of favorite 9,000 options to get to. Yeah, you know, when when I look at the thing that's always scary about Austin Lane is is some of the, the level of competition that he fought on the regional scene, just not the greatest. I mean, Juan Adams obviously is, is his most notable victory uh, on, on the regional scene, but to me, I, I prefer to go to Justin Taffa. And, you know, look, if you're going to take a Tafa to Vavasa or Sean Strickland, getting to Tafa at 9,000 is going to make sense. I would say this, like, you know, I would rather get, to, you know, even though I think Izzy's going to win the main event, just looking at it from a roster construction aspect, I wouldn't mind just saving these $700, get, getting to Justin Toffin, kind of feeling that he's going to get likely a first-round finish here. But, uh, you know, and, and right now, I'll be honest with you, when I looked at ownership projections, I was like, if it's that low, I want to get to more of this fight than I even thought I would get to. Right, exactly. And that's my thinking, too, is I, I just think that, you know, heavyweight matchups in, in general shouldn't go under 20%. It just shouldn't. Like, it, it, you should always be getting to more of it because of the volatility and because of how there's usually early finishes. Um, gas Fest heavyweight contest happen, but it's not one that I'm projecting to happen this weekend. I'm projecting Tafa to get a uh, – I'm going to go with a first-round KO. Yeah, that's kind of what I see here as well. Then our opening fight of the night is Pete's favorite fight of the week. That is the 8,200-8,000 fight. And this is a betting line that's kind of going up and down all week. You got uh, Tyson taking on Anton. Tyson is the 8,000 fighter. Anton is at 8,200. Uh, Tyson's minus 105, minus 115 for Anton. And this is one, and as I look at my Excel spreadsheet here, Pete, I have highlighted Anton just because I think he should be getting much more ownership than he's currently projected at. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like both sides of the fight. Um, you have Anton, the guy who's going to push a tremendous pace. Um, you know, I think that his previous matchup against Petrino is something where you can take some positives from. Petrino's pretty damn good, and they both landed a ton of takedowns, five takedowns, seven takedowns. Um, you know, Anton is a guy that will wrestle to ground and pound. Um, his submission skills are, are somewhat lacking. He can get a finish in, in that way, but I do think that Tyson Pedro has the better submission skill set. Um, Tyson Pedro is the more physically imposing fighter, and I do think that, uh, you know, just given the pace of the fight, I, I like Anton more than the public, but I still am picking Tyson Pedro because I do think that his previous performance is kind of anomaly. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's somewhat of an, uh, an anomaly. I, I don't necessarily know if... He's always going to be getting outstruck on the feet. Um, I think that if it's on the feet, he's going to land a heavy, heavy shot against Anton. And then if there is any grappling exchanges, we've seen Anton get taken down plenty of times. And I think Pedro on top is a very, very heavy, heavy fighter. So uh, give me Tyson Pedro at 8,000. Again, you'll notice I'm slightly leaning towards the, the hometown guys. Um, it's not the root of my uh, decision-making. It's not the root of, of you know, of why I'm, I'm picking them, but uh, at 8,000, I need and slight a slight underdog to come through, and I think that Tyson Pedro, this could be somewhat of a buy-low spot on him, and, and I think that he's going to show out. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I look at him, and it's just, to me, it's just kind of that that concern that I have. Just in, you know, we, we look at since returning after that four-year layoff, his wins are against uh, Harry Huntsucker and Ike Villanueva. So to me, that that's what concerns me about him is just you know kind of looking at this and saying, okay, what is he going to be able to do? That that to me is the the concerning aspect of, of this matchup. You know that that's where I just look and say, you know, if you look at his best wins, his best wins in the UFC, you got to go back to 2016 against Khalil Roundtree and Paul Craig. That to me is when he had his most notable win. So that that's kind of where I'm looking at here. I I think it's once again I said I think this is a fight that you have to. Prioritize. You have to sit there and get to both of these guys. And, uh, you know, I think I'll probably get to Anton a little bit more than I get to Tyson. But, and, and the reason I say that is that's more about the ownership aspect of it. Of uh, I do think that there's a leverage spot here coming up for Anton. Next up is your feature preliminary bout. You got Olberg taking on Don Woojung. Uh, you used to be Don Un. Now we Don Don Wu. Uh, he is seven thousand. Carlos Olberg ninety two hundred here. And this is to me this is another one, Pete. That. I, I look at Olberg here, is, and I like the high probability of a knockout here. Yeah, I like the high probability of a knockout. Um, I, I also 
think that the more well-rounded guy is clearly Dawoon Jung. Um, you know, because we haven't necessarily seen Carlos Olberg showcase anything in the ground game. He doesn't need to. That's not his game. He's a, he's a an excellent stand-up fighter, um, a guy that can pick up a knockout. And uh, when, when you've been knocked out against Dustin Jacoby, now you're going up against Carlos Olberg. I think that Carlos Olberg cracks a little bit heavier than, than Dustin Jacoby, who, who did pick up a knockout over Dawoon Jung. Um, you know, styles make fights, and Dawoon Jung is a guy that I was pretty, pretty solid. Like, I, I thought that he was a pretty solid guy for the light heavyweight division. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be siding with, uh, with Carlos Olberg here. I, I think that Carlos Olberg's going to, uh, to pick up a second or third round KO. He's very patient. Um, as you as you saw in the Fabio Charant fight, super patient. Um, but he's been on a first round KO streak against Tafan and Chukwi, Nikolai, uh, Ihor Puteria. So like he's looked better than ever. And in front of the hometown crowd, I think that he's going to style on Dawoon Jung. Um, but yeah, it's it's just an argument. Does it happen in the first, second, or third? I'm leaning towards the second or the third. Um, but yeah, Carlos Olberg's a fantastic play here at 9200. Yeah, I'm leaning to late first round, early second round for him to get the stoppage here. That's why over on prize picks, I do like the less than 50 and a half significant strikes. I would imagine that number's probably going to get under 50 and a half, but that is the number I do like over on prize picks. Uh, his fantasy score, 115 and a half. I mean, I, I just would rather go to that significant strike play to less than 50 and a half. Next up, we got a matchup between Jack Jenkins and Chepe Mariscal. Chepe Mariscal is 7,500, 8,700 for Jack Jenkins. Jenkins is minus 210 on the betting lines, plus 170 for Chepe. Of course, we saw Chepe come into the UFC, finally getting into the UFC earlier this year, getting that win against Trevor Peak. I know there's people out there that thought maybe Trevor Peak should have got the decision there, but uh, do you like, is Chepe one of the other underdogs that uh, you got your eye on? I think he's a good underdog to target, right? And it's clearly because of the wrestling skills. And uh, we've seen Jack Jenkins get controlled against the cage, and he can get taken down. He will defend good takedowns. Um, so, like, he's a he's an underdog on boosting. He's not an underdog on picking. I do think the calf kicks of Jack Jenkins, the overall takedown defense, will um, will come through for, for Jack Jenkins. And I do think that he's going to go out there and pick up a KO or TKO over Chepe Mariscal, who, who has been finished in the past. But... You know, Chepe, he came through for us against Trevor Peak and made us look really smart when the whole industry really liked Trevor Peak for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he's a fantastic, skilled fighter. And whenever you put the skills on, you know, you put the skills forward, I'm always going to pick underdogs that actually have skills in certain areas. It sounds obvious, but a lot of times, like, you know, you, you'll have a 7,200 fighter who has fantastic skills that is just getting no love on any given night. I know how this game is and you know how this game is any, any given night, this, these fighters can, can have a bad night or, you know, overperform. And it's a situation where I am going to be picking Jack Jenkins, but Chepe is a very, very popular and solid underdog to target. Yeah, you know, as I look over at the prize picks on this one, the one that sticks out to me is the significant strike uh, number on Jack Jenkins, which is 58.5. I do like going more than 58 in this matchup. And, and the reason that I want to go more than 58.5 on this one is just because of I do like the fact that I think this thing is going to go three rounds, and, and we'll see if that happens, uh, you know, or not. You know, it's something that I do uh, think is going to happen there. So uh, to me, I want to go with the more than 58 and a half significant strikes prop there on Jack Jenkins. So, uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of developing GPP lineups, I think Chepe is one of those guys that you do have to kind of consider in terms of putting him back in there. Let's move over to our next matchup. It's going to be Jamie Malarkey taking on John McDessey. Jamie Malarkey is a minus 260 betting favorite. Plus 175 for John McDessey. Malarkey is 8,900 on DK, 7,300 for John McDessey. And I was looking into uh, John McDessey uh, here uh, before we started the show here today, looking at some stats on him. And you know, the one thing that sticks out to me is Pete, you got to go back to 2015 uh, for McDessey's last time he won a fight via knockout. Yeah. I mean, McDessey's been in the game for a really long time. And McDessey's been in the game so long that you can make an, an argument for him to pull off this, this, this bout. Um, you really can. But I am just not – I don't know. I, I think that five times undefeated, 
And I do think that Jamie Malarkey has tremendous takedown upside. McDessie can win a kickboxing fight against Malarkey all day long. But I don't think it's going to just be a kickboxing matchup. I think that Malarkey is going to blend takedowns in close rounds. Um, could lead to more takedowns. McDessie's a, a proven vet, 11-8, and eight, whereas Malarkey's 4-4 four and four in the UFC. I like Malarkey here a lot as a slight discounted favorite at 8,900 who has tremendous takedown potential. And anytime that you've lost via KO as many times as Jamie Malarkey has, Muhammad Naimov, Jalen Turner, I think you're going to go back to the takedown well. Win those rounds, be dominant, control the fight. On the feet, kickboxing fight, McDessie will will have moments. So limit those moments by getting takedowns. So I think that Jamie Malarkey is a pretty safe play this week. I'm not going to be picking McDessie. Um, that would be just kind of recency bias for me wanting to get behind McDessie because of the Jamie Malarkey chin fade. I'm not doing it. I think that 8,900 Malarkey is a fantastic fighter. Yeah, I mean, I look at and I'm looking at that takedown prop over at Prize Picks, which is one and a half. I like going more than one and a half takedowns because I just feel like if if he's going to win this fight, it's going to be him scoring takedowns. Um, you know, we've hoped that in some other fights too, but we'll see what happens here. But I do like uh, Jamie Malarkey there on Prize Picks. He more than one and a half takedowns over there. Next up, we got one of our highest priced salaries. That's Nasrat Haparas taking on Land Quinones. Quinones, the Ultimate Fighter veteran, stepping up here. Uh, Haparas is 9500 DK. Quinones Notice is 6,700. Uh, Hop Ross is a minus 475 betting favorite, plus 360 for Landon here. Uh, Pete, what's your thoughts? My thoughts are things are crazy over here. You see me moving around like a like an animal, uh, just trying to just you know dodge all these bullets, and it's 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 you, insane. You, you, you working on head movement? I mean, was that that part of the morning session? <laughs> I'm working on everything over here, sprinting up and down stairs, grabbing this, grabbing that, helping this, helping that. My goodness, whoo, um, you know, and I'm sweating like crazy because I, I wore the hoodie just so you guys could see. And it's, it's, what's it like 95 degrees out here in September. Um, so oh, yeah, wow. but regardless, yeah, it's crazy. We're having like the craziest heat wave up here. Um, but yeah, I, as far as this matchup for Landon Quinones against Nasrat Hockrost, you, it's a very difficult fight, right? Like Manel Cop is in a very, very favorable matchup. Same with Nasrat Hakparast. And it's mainly because you're the vet and you have a wealth of experience. And we've already seen Landon Quinones struggle on the Ultimate Fighter against a vet, okay? And now you're going up against a more dangerous and a younger vet in Nasrat Hakparast who is the same age as Landon or close to it and now has 10 UFC fights. So you've got a guy with dynamite in his hands who has showcased his wrestling and his grappling as of late. Um, he's just going to be too smart for Lana Quinones. Uh, I think that Quinones, uh, it's a win for him to be in this situation and getting a second chance in the UFC. So you sign that contract, you take whoever the hell they give you. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Nasrat's going to style on him. Tremendous takedown upside. There is finish, late finish potential for Nasrat as well for a parlay. I know it's big, big numbers associated with it, but I would probably start it with Nasrat Hockprost and Manel Kopp as the first two legs. Granted, it's it they're very very chalky, but I think it's just a smart way to start a parlay because there's there should be no reason why these guys lose these fights. Yeah, and obviously I think you got a nice little leverage spot here for Haparos uh, in terms of you know, ownership we're seeing over on DraftKings, and I'll tell you. I love the under 13 and a half minute fight time. If Jason Knight can go in there and submit him as quickly as he did, to me, I, I look at Hop Ross and, and over on Prize Picks, that less than 13 and a half fight time minutes is one that sticks out to me. Then, of course, up next, we've got the UFC debut of Charlie Racky, the CFFC welterweight champion. As I mentioned earlier on the show, he's been signed by the UFC for a long time, back in, signed back in April. Uh, now he's taking on Blood Diamond here. Of course, uh, Charlie is a minus 330 betting favorite, plus 260 for Blood Diamond. Racky 9100 on DK, 7100 for Blood Diamond. And Pete, we all know the the deficiencies of Blood Diamond. So like if you're in the corner of Charlie Radke, the mindset has got to be let's get this fight to the ground. Yeah, and I, I will tell you that Charlie Radke is a guy that has been working with one of my friends and and one of my previous uh coaches when I was out in New Mexico and that's Mike Valley. Um and I found that to be interesting cuz I didn't know that necessarily going into this breakdown, but uh Working with Mike Mike Valley is is essential for what a lot of guys, you know. He's helped so many careers. I mean, look at Bilal Muhammad. I mean, uh, look at like it, what what he's done. And uh, 
you know, you got uh, is Ignacio Bajamondes, another guy from that camp. And, you know, I, I do think that they're going to be too smart for this matchup against Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond's only way to win this bout is on the feet and keeping it a kickboxing fight. That doesn't mean Radke can't hurt Diamond on the feet. Um, I think that he will. He has to get Diamond to respect him on the feet, and the takedowns will come easier um, on the outside. You know, it's just it, Diamond will, will, is live to pull off a decision win if it's just a kickboxing bout, but I don't think it's going to be. I think that Radke's going to be tough. I think Radke throws damn good combinations in his own right, and I'm seeing a lot of head movement and switching stances and blending the hands into takedowns, and that's what he needs to do in this matchup. Uh, I think that Dime is going to be one of the few uh, hometown fighters to walk away with an L, and uh, I think that Radke's going to get it done via submission in the second round. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And, uh, you know, don't really love anything over on prize picks. Um, if, if I was going to play anything, I might look at the less than 10 minute fight time, but I just think there's some better lines out there on prize picks when you're looking to play over there. Next up, we got Shane Young taking on Gabriel Miranda. Shane Young is a minus 170 betting fair, plus 145 for Gabriel Miranda. Young is 8,600 on DK. Miranda is 7,600 on DK. And of course, uh, if, if you're Shane Young, I mean, look, this is. I, I've, I've been talking about this on my podcast the past couple of weeks is if you're a fighter who's lost two in a row or in, in young situation, he's lost three in a row is they've got to start making room for all these guys to sign off the contender series. Shane Young's fighting for his job on Saturday. Uh, I don't think just the decision win will keep your job. I mean, it may, but I, I think like an impressive performance is what you need to keep your job. Given all these contender series guys and, um, you know, I, I think it's a blessing that he got a fight in general. I mean, he's 1-4 and four in the UFC on a three-fight losing streak to Ladovic Klein, Omar Morales, and Blake Builder. Um, you know, he was a he was a favorite over Blake Builder at minus 150. He was an underdog against Omar Morales at plus 156. His slight favorite, against, you know, over Ladovic Klein. I do think that, like, this is the, this is the problem I'm having with this fight. I think Gabriel Miranda has higher upside because of his clear submission skills and how live he is to pull off a submission. My issue is, can he land, can he attempt enough takedowns to get in that position? Because I think Shane Young will be, be solid defensively. Um, all he needs is one, right? So it doesn't matter if he's one for eight. If that one takedown puts him in a great position, I think that's when you see Miranda's skills um, and, and there's going to be a large disparity of skills uh, in the jiu-jitsu realm between Young and Miranda. It's just for 15 minutes. The longer this fight goes, the more I think that it's going to favor Shane Young because of his experience. He, he is 1-4 in the UFC, but it is against some top-tier competition. Um, and, and then as the fight goes on, I think Miranda's going to get gassed a little bit and, and be unable to get you know the takedowns. So. I love the the high upside of Gabriel Miranda. So he's one of my underdogs on the slate that I circled because of the the struggles of Shane Young. This could be tremendous pressure for him to come out here and get a win. He could thrive off the crowd. I don't know how he's going to do. Um, whereas other fighters, I, I have a, a better read, or at least I feel like I do. Um, I think that Gabriel Miranda is one of the best underdogs to pick up a finish next to Tai Tuivasa. So I'm going to prioritize getting to him. But I think the pick is still going to be Shane Young to win via decision. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I talked about uh, earlier on in the show about how I, I've color-coded certain things here on my spreadsheet. And one of the things that I've color-coded is leverage spots. And to me, this is a, a leverage spot with these two guys because there's just not a lot of ownership coming on either side of the equation. You mentioned about the upside that Miranda has to go out there and get the finish. And I'll tell you, uh, over on Prize Picks, I actually like the less than 11 uh, fight time minutes on this one. So to me, it's going to, that is something that sticks out to me. In, in terms of this one, but um, you know, I always talk about it is when you have access to ownership projections, you got to find the fights that are just not getting the ownership that you know where you might have leverage on these bigger GPP fields. So this is a fight that I'm kind of keep my eye on, and it'll probably be something you know all, throughout Friday and into Saturday, watching some more fight film and kind of make making that decision of which side I want to be more heavy on. Now our opening fight of the night is two guys who are making their UFC debut. Crosby taking on. 
on Kevin. Kevin is a favorite, minus 155. Crosby, plus 130. 8,400 for Kevin. Kiefer is 7,800. Of course, uh, you may know the name Kiefer Crosby. He was in Bellator. Was only four and three in Bellator, so I think that's going to kind of look at some people and say, hmm, do you want to get there? So what's your thoughts, Pete? My thoughts are there shouldn't be a lot of trust on either side. Uh, they are both, you know, debuting fighters, so you don't know how either one of them are going to respond. Obviously, you have Kevin Jusset out of City Kickboxing and Kiefer Crosby um, out of SBG, I believe. Uh, but we, we have Kiefer Crosby in an underdog situation where when he wins, he lands tons of hands and he's very very aggressive when he loses he eats shots and gets rocked himself um and then he gets put put in bad positions um he's lost to a few fighters in bellator that i kind of scratched my head at um earlier on in his career was more of a a lightweight whereas kevin jusset is a previous fighter for middleweight and found a groove within the welterweight division so i i think that clearly kevin jusset will be the bigger guy um in the clinch, the tight hooks of Kiefer Crosby could touch up Kevin Jusset, who's been hurt on the feet. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm not like making a crazy stand on this fight because of they're they're both making their you know it's first fight of the night number one and number first fight of the night screws ninety percent of people's lineups, um, and then you have two debuting fighters a part of the first fight of the night. So like I, I would treat it aggressively on both sides. Uh, Kevin Jusset clearly has. Uh, the the takedown potential in this matchup. He he hits a lot of nice uh, judoka sweeps and and takedowns. Um, he sets up Hadagoshi's well. Uh, he reaps the leg, uh, and he will attempt takedowns. So I do think that there is some takedown uh, takedown city potential here at 8400. Um, you know I, I can see a world where Crosby hurts Kevin Jusset on the feet. I can see a world where Kevin Jusset takes down Crosby multiple times and route to a late finish. So. I think that the under two and a half is probably going to hit. Um, I'm going to be leaning with Kevin Jusset as the bigger guy who can get takedowns. But, uh, you know, I'm not planting my flag on either one. I'll be pretty aggressive with both of them. Yeah, I get you in, in terms of that. Let's get into our straight-up five picks before we get into listener questions. Main event, uh, give me uh, and still Izzy. Izzy. Uh, co-main event, I'm going to go Volkov. Tied to Ivasa, baby. So there's our, our first. I'm, I'm trying to color code when we are uh, not exactly on the, the same page. We'll see in terms of our straight-up fight picks here. Uh, I think Manel Kopp should, should walk away with a victory. Manel Kopp. Uh Justin Taffa for me. Taffa. Uh, I would go Anton. Pedro. All right, so we got two, two different picks here so far. Uh, give me Olberg. Olberg. I'm going to go Jenkins. Don't feel great about it, though. Okay, I'm going Jenkins as well. Uh, Malarkey. Malarkey. Hopperos. Hopperos. Radke. Radke. Give me uh, Miranda. So I, I said the safe pick is young. Well, it's not safe, but the decision pick is young. What do I do? I'm going to go young, but uh, Miranda is one of my favorite underdogs. And then uh, give me the favorite, uh, Kevin Jusset. Yeah, Jusset for me as well. Uh, I'll mention, I guess, some questions we got in from Discord. If you got any questions, line those up in the chat right now. Uh, first one is, is fading the main event a good play this weekend? <sighs> I can go either way on this one, Pete. I think it's viable. But I do, I, I'm not in the – I'm not thinking he's getting a first or second round KO. Like most people are, um, I, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, paying off a ninety-seven hundred dollar price tag, unless like you like a lot of underdogs on this card, that to me it becomes a roster constructed situation. But like, as I think about cash games, in a cash game lineup, it's going to be hard for me not to just put Sean Strickland in there because if I can get twenty minutes of fighting, twenty-five minutes of fighting, and you expect the fight's going to play out on the feet, Sean Strickland's going to give me a nice floor. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. Um, I just do think that some other 9,000 options, if there weren't, if there weren't last minute opponents and there weren't like such a gap in some of these skills, 
I would probably be like, yeah, you start with your, you know, what are the best power for pound athletes on the, on the entire world. And then you, you round out your lineup later, given the price tag and everything and some 9,000 options that I've circled. I'm just going to say, I'll be a little underweight to how I normally am. When I look at uh, next up, uh, value plays underneath AK, uh, right? I, I the first one, possible mind tattoo of Asa. It's a boom bust play, but he's one of six out to me. Austin Lane, another boom plus play at 7,200. Uh, other uh, fires underneath 8,000, Chepe Marscall. Um, and then the other one I would mention would be Gabriel Miranda. Yeah, so you hit on every single one. If I had to rank them personally, my ranking would be Tai Tuivasa, Gabriel Miranda. Chepe Mariscal, Austin Lane, if I had to rank those four. But I'm in agreement with you. Those are the four that I'm prioritizing. Yeah. Uh, do Tavos, Tua Tavos's two recent knockouts concern you long-term for him being able to eat big shots, or is he far enough removed from them? Yeah, I mean, the Pavlovich one was worse than the Gon, in my opinion. I mean, there, there's damage, and he's been knocked out against Junior Dos Santos, Sorokin, and Sergei Pavlovich. But Taking shots to the body is damaging, but you know he was he was rocked and, and knocked out against Sirokan as well. But I don't know. I, I I think like I think it's okay. December to now, that's fine. I mean it's September. Uh, I think that he did he did it the right way. We've seen plenty of fighters try to hop in there, like Jared Gordon, for instance, is a guy who got hit with an uh, an illegal blow against uh, Bobby Green unintentional, the headbutt, and then a couple weeks later. Was, was trying to get on a card, and it did get on a card. Um, so I, I do like what Tai Tuivasa has done to take some time, and timing's everything. I mean, of course, getting knocked out isn't good, and every time you get knocked out, you you know it's much easier to happen again and again. But uh, I, I don't hate the timing. Uh, let's uh, next up best leverage play. There's a couple of leverage plays on this car. As I, I look at ownership, uh, Gabe Miranda definitely sticks out to me. Um, I think you could also put yeah. Shane Young in, in a leverage spot. Um, then, then I think you're looking at guys like Anton Austin and, and two of us as leverage plays. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. I am with you. Best takedown upside. Jane, I, I, I look at Jane Malarkey. And, and Racky, yeah, I think, would be the yeah. other one just because and more it's more based on the matchup. Yeah, I think it's clearly Racky 1, Malarkey 2, Gisette 3, Turkali 4, Chepe 5. Like, if I had that, you know what I mean? Like, those are all guys that have wrestling skills or at least mix it in within their game. So those are the five that I would get to. Uh, and, and then the final question we got from this score was rank the 9K options or 9K options this week are Racky, Haparas, Olberg, Taffa, Cop, uh, and Adesanya. I mean, Adesanya, I, I want to take this question of fantasy score upside. Okay, let's do it. So, if, I mean, I, I, I like Manel Cop's situation, Justin Taffa. I would probably go... Manel Cop one. Yeah, agreed. Taffa two, Olberg three, Hopperos four, Racky five, Izzy six. All right, you ready? I, I don't hate that list at all. I think it's solid. I'm in agreement with some of them. Cop one, Taffa two, Radke three. Olberg four, Hawk Cross five, Izzy six. Crazy to say that, but I mean, like, all I care about is this fantasy score, and I, I do think that it could be a point here or there. But that's how I, that's how I'm projecting it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's I like all the nine thousand options. I mean, I, the, the, to me, the issue with Izzy is more about what does the rest of my lineup look like. I mean, I, I feel like right. if you're if you're start if you if you're st- you're hand building a lineup and you say you know what I'm starting with Izzy, I feel like you're naturally probably going to be looking at Tatu Avasa, Chepe, Miranda. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I just I, I don't know if I'm going to love that roster construction of, of Izzy, even though he could very easily go out there and get you 120 points. 
100%. I mean, when, when you spend up 9700 the rest you're you're restrictive, right? It, it is restrictive, and it leads you to only a certain amount of builds and a certain type of build. And I, I'm not in love with the build either. So that's why I'm going to be pivoting, not fading, but pivoting to other, other fighters within that range. Uh, just kind of recap what I like over prize picks. I like the less than 110 and a half significant strikes on Izzy. I like the under 21 and a half fight time minutes. Uh, I like the under 10 fight time minutes on Manel Cop. I like the under 50 and a half significant strikes on Carlos Olberg. I like the more than 58 and a half significant strikes on Jack Jenkins. More than one and a half takedowns on Malarkey. Uh, less than 13 and a half fight time minutes on Hopperos. Uh, I like the, and also less than 11 fight time minutes on Shane Young. And I, I talk about this every week. If you're playing over on prize picks, I, I prefer to play two and three player cards. I understand playing these five and six, and you're really trying to make that big money. But to me, I'd rather go with a two or three because and may, you know what? We, we, we say it all the time, Pete, you know, as much as we can break down the fights and feel really good about breaking down the fights, something crazy could always happen. I mean, you know, we were talking about this earlier on my show today, you know, of, you know, kind of where does Sean Strickland, if he pulls this off, where does it rank? I mean, is it, do you rank it higher than the biggest upsets of Michael Bisman coming in on a week notice and knocking out Luke Rockhold? Do you say it's a bigger yeah. upset than a man Nunez being defeated by, uh, by Juliana Pena? Is it a bigger upset than Matt Sarah defeating GSP? It's, it's got it, it will be up there in terms of biggest upsets in UFC title fight history. Yeah, I mean, it will because of the number, but I don't agree with the number to begin with. So, like, I, I think they, they screwed up with the number on Sean Strickland just because I, I think they're completely writing him off. He's skilled, man. The guy's good. The guy's really, really good. So, I give him a 30% chance of winning the fight versus an 18% chance based on the probability of the current odds. Yeah, I just, I, I think the question mark just in from a, a daily fancy aspect is, does this fight hit the fourth round? If it hits the fourth round, I don't know how you don't put Sean Strickland in your, in your at, at bare minimum, your cash lineups. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, unless he's getting hit like a complete punching bag. But we'll have to see. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, of course, thank you guys for joining us. It, we appreciate it. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. We're here every week for the UFC cards. And, uh this is a good pay-per-view. I'm excited to see the team win some money in our Discord, which is free to join. And um, I always love seeing those screenshots. It makes us feel good. And I actually do know the main event next week already. I do know the main event next oh. week. Who is it? Grosso and Shevchenko, the rematch. Oh, you also got your boy go. Jack Della Maddalena taking on Kevin Holland as a part of that card. Bad, bad fight for Kevin Holland. Goodness gracious. It's just weird to me that they don't they did not put uh, Jack Della Maddalena on this card. That that to me is the uh, the weird aspect of it, you know, just because of yeah. it being down under. I I do know that um, they they wanted to have um, Jack Della Maddalena against um, Wonder Boy, but Wonder Boy turned it down. Ooh, really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at next week, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. return, see how he bounces back uh, on that card. Uh, you got uh, Luby Godinez is on that card as well. So, uh, you know, that's uh, – I want to say, I want to say they're fighting in front of fans in Vegas next week. I, want to, I think that's at the T-Mobile Arena. Hmm, interesting. I'm pretty uh, sure it's at – Yeah, I mean – Yeah, like, it's at T-Mobile, yeah. I think we're going to have a lot of KOs this weekend, Jason. I really do. Like, most likely, most, most likely finish – in the main event, KO. Most likely finish in the co-main event, KO. Most likely finish in the Cop Dos Santos fight, KO. Toffa Lane, KO. Uh, Olberg Jung, KO. Um, that's a lot. There's a lot of people getting knocked out in one card. I mean, Sam's nerves probably like, you know, 10. I know, really. <laughs> what do we got? We got 12. I think 8.5 would be a good number. Yeah, 12, yeah. Seven and a half is probably closer. Yeah, probably seven and a half. Uh, Andrew asked how many dogs make the optimal. I say two. No, three. Slight underdog to Pedro. Yeah, I, I was thinking two to three. I think. I mean, that's and that's how you got to, you know, especially if you're hand-building lineups, that's where you got to kind of take into equation. And, of course, it's based on the type of contest you're playing into. I mean, if you're right. – if you're, if you're, 
if you're playing in, you know, the the twenty five dollar entry and you're just throwing a single bullet in there, you got you got to be crazy. You, you gotta you gotta take some shots because that's that's really the way that you're gonna you know be able to get up there if you're gonna be able to take it down and you know and if you take it down, you win that two hundred k. Um, you know, put some money aside to pay the pay the pay the IRS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what though, I'm excited, man. We we had the show today that you guys tuned into live, and I'm scrambling and running up and downstairs and doing all sorts sorts. But happy that you guys are here, and we got football later on tonight. So kicking off the season with a pretty offensively entertaining car, uh, entertaining uh, game. I almost said fight between. Uh, the, the, the Chiefs and the Lions. Can't wait to see it. And I'll be in uh, Minnesota on uh, this weekend. That's where uh, the Bucks are this weekend. So head out to Minneapolis. Uh, I was looking at the weather today. Ooh, I was like, oof. It's going like in the 70s? Oof. Ooh, give me that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Give me that nice. 90 degree weather, man. <laughs> there you go. So, so, but I'm excited, but, man. Yeah. It'll be a good weekend. Yeah, it'll be a great weekend. But, of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for the Fight HQ podcast. Of course, uh, if you ever miss the show, you can ch- check it out on demand right here on YouTube. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that. Hit that thumbs up button. Or if you want to check out the show on the podcasting platform, check it out over on Apple Podcasts, also over there on Spotify. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Fight HQ podcast. And we will talk to you next week as we'll get you ready for Grosso Shevchenko 2. <laughs> <laughs>